strong tonight, but I feel constrained that somebody in this congregation needs what the Lord's put on my heart. I want you to take your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus chapter number 15. This is nothing new. And, uh, and I want to say I appreciate uh, the church allowing Brother Joe Arthur, allowing Brother Joe to travel across the country, preach these meetings, moderate these camp meetings. And uh, you've got a special, special thing going here, church. And don't take it lightly. Just like Brother Tackett said, he said, I wish I could feel this way everywhere I go. And it's not like this. It's not like this everywhere we go and travel where there's this kind of freedom. I want to say be good to Brother Joe, and you have been to Sister Julian. I'm so glad that Brother J.B. and his wife got to come down here. Then I've been praying for Brother Davis. I saw him this morning. I said, can you see me? He said, I can see you. He said, but I'm going to have to have that surgery again. See, I was praying. Brother Joe told me up there to meet me. He said, Brother Buster, pray. So we don't know what the outcome's going to be. And uh, now I don't know whether you really think I mean this or not, but I love these people. I love this church right here. And I hugged a certain sister, I hugged her while I'm gone. I said, I miss your husband. I said, he was my friend. He always took care of me and always saw to my needs when I was here. Now he's done outstripped us and beat us home. And uh, I love this place right here. Another day, a certain preacher asked me, he said, I need some camp meeting preachers. He said, I need some men that I can come in and help my people and minister to my people. And I said, I can give you three names. That's all. I said, only three names that I can give you to work for you. The first thing that came out of my mouth was Brother Joe Arthur, and I said, Brother Larry Brown, and Brother LaVon Boatner. I said, those three men I know work at this meeting that you're wanting. Now, there's other preachers, but I knew, I mean, the special meeting that he was needing. for, And I, and I appreciate getting to know Brother Joe and to know his dad and family. Now, <clears throat> just quickly tonight, in Exodus chapter 15, you understand, most of you know now, that, that Israel has been in Egyptian bondage 430 years. And God brought them out the self-same day. I mean, in chapter number 12, if you went back and looked at verse 41, it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the self-same day, it came to pass that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. God brought them out by a high hand. He parted the Red Sea, brought the children of Israel over, and then he drowned Pharaoh and the Egyptians in that same Red Sea. One historian, one of those liberal theologians said, well, the Red Sea was only ankle deep at that time. I thought, well, what a great miracle. God drowned Pharaoh and his armies in ankle deep water. I, I tell you, I don't believe, I believe it, the waters were on this side of heap and on that side of heap, and they marched over on dry ground, and then God drowned Pharaoh and his armies. When you come to chapter 15, they've just made the crossing. And in verse 1, down through verse 21, you find the Bible said in verse 1, Then sang Moses. Moses must have been able to sing. He began to sing right here. And the children, it's not just the song of Moses, but Moses began to sing. Then sang Moses and all the children of Israel. And this song unto the Lord. And you can read it when you get home. It's about how the Lord delivered them and brought them out of the land of Egypt. When you come to about, down to verse 20 and 21, and Miriam, that's the prophetess, and that's Moses' sister, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with the timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider hath he throwed into the sea. 
Now, in verse 1 through 21, you find the song that they begin to sing. You go back, there's the exodus from Egypt that speaks of their deliverance. But when you come to verse 22, there's the entrance to Mara. There's the entrance to Mara, and this speaks of their dilemma. Now, they've only been saved three days as we look at it. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've been brought out of Egyptian bondage, and the type is they've been saved only three days. Look at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel. Now, before we go any further, let's establish this. The Bible said in chapter number 13, the Scripture said in verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them by the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. When the Bible said in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't Moses but he's following the cloud. I can see Moses look up, and they're standing there, and they're singing, and they're shouting on just this side of the Red Sea. And they wanted to stay right there, Brother Tim. They really didn't want it. They didn't want this journey in the wilderness. They'd rather, they wanted to stay right there where they got saved. But God didn't bring you out to leave you where he just found you. But he brought you out to bring you in. His desire is to take you into Canaan. And Canaan is a type of the victorious Christian life. But watch this. So Moses brought Israel. The word brought there implies it's almost like he had to constrain them. They wanted to stay right there on the edge of the border of the Red Sea. But Moses brought them from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness. That's the first mention, not of the wilderness, but it's the first mention of Israel going into the wilderness. The Bible said of sure, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days and three nights. They traveled and they found no water. Now, I want you to think with me. The Bible said that there were 600,000 men of war. Not counting the women and the children. That's not counting the elder men that were not men of war. Men believe between a million and a half to three million Jews came out of Egypt. And Moses is the pastor, if you will, and he's leading this crowd, and he's following the cloud, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And they go, they go three days. They've got cattle, they've got herds of sheep and oxen, and, and they're traveling three days and three nights, and there's no water. Watch what happens in verse 23. And when they came to Mara, and the word Mara means bitter. Bitter is what the word means. It carries the idea of discontented and being provoked and the word chaff right there. They came to the water, they came to Mara, and they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara. I want to testify for just a few minutes tonight on the ministry of Mara. The ministry of Mara. Now look at it. The exodus from Egypt speaks of their deliverance, but the entrance to Mara speaks of their dilemma. Now I want you to understand, they are in the will of God. Now they're not out of the will of God when they're brought to this bitter experience. They're right in the middle of the will of God. And sooner or later, you're going to find yourself at a bitter place. 
there'll be some maras along the Christian journey. One writer had this to say. He said the first mention of the wilderness is here, and he said it ought to teach us that the true nature of the Christian journey is Mara. There's probably a lot more bitterness along the way than there is the sweetness. But I'm glad the sweetness outweighs the bitterness. There'll be Maras. Now, you might as well get beyond that thought. Well, it's just going to be a shout, and we're going to shout it out from here to heaven. There, we can, but there will be some bitter, bitter times. And God's ordained it like that. See, God's the one that brought them to this place. And when God brought them there, he knew those waters was bitter. He knew those waters were undrinkable. But he's doing this. He's, there's the ministry of Mara. Now you say, preacher, what is the ministry? Now I'll give you these four or five things and we'll be through. Number one, the ministry of Mara is seemingly a ministry of no current interpretation. I mean, they simply don't understand. I mean, can you, I call this the marvel of Mara or the astonishment. I mean, they're, they're following God. They're following the cloud. They've been saved three days and, and all, they're dry. They're, they're thirsty and they're tired. And, and I see somebody cross the horizon and they begin to scream, Moses, Moses, uh, there's water. There's water everywhere out here. Can't you see those Israelites running down there? And some of the men, they bow down and take their hands and cup it. And they begin to try to drink and they spit it out. Uh, and they turn and they begin to rail on Moses. Uh, and it's like they're saying there's no current interpretation. God, why have you brought us to a bitter place? Now, ladies and gentlemen, God allows things to happen. And God sometimes providentially and sovereignly arranges for Maras to come into our life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been trying to serve God, pay your tithes, and live for Jesus, and have a good prayer life the best you knew how, read your Bible, and all of a sudden something happens? I mean, a bitter bitter experience in your life. And you know what the devil would like to do? The devil would like to stop every one of us at Mara. He'd like for us to get... Now, I'll tell you what Mara will do to you when you come to a bitter place. It'll either make you a bitter Christian or it'll make you a better Christian. You can, it'll do one or two things. It'll either make you a better Christian or it'll make you a bitter Christian. It seems like it's the place of no current interpretation. Just a few weeks ago, and Brother Joe knows this man. I was preaching for Brother Bobby Loving. While we were there at uh, Alamance Camp Meeting in Burlington, they told us, they said, Brother Buster, where you're going? There's a 38-year-old man just fell over dead. I mean, 38 years old, had a massive heart attack, left a wife and two little young'uns. Every night during that meeting, I watched his mom and his dad come to the altar and pray. They were at a bitter, bitter place in their life. Have you ever had it to happen? Have you ever just kind of in your mind said, God, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this now? Just recently, this past year, and this is a personal illustration, my brother and my sister-in-law, Amanda, they were expecting their third child. They have two. And those little boys are like grandchildren. See, our dad passed away when Jimbo was 13. I was 24. And it's almost, Brother Jack, like I'm their granddaddy. They stayed down at the house, and I played with them boys. And, and he and Amanda were expecting their third child. 
And uh, she went to the doctor several times. And on the last time, she was about five months along. The doctor said, I can't get a heartbeat. He said, I, don't, I can't get a heartbeat. We need to do a DNC, Amanda. And, uh, she, and what he was saying, we're going to go ahead and take the baby and abort it and bring it out. She said, no, no. And the doctor said, well, if the baby's dead, uh, within so many hours, your body will begin to abort the baby. You'll go through a, a birthing process. You'll go through labor pains, uh, and you'll give birth to a dead little baby. My wife was there and my daughter, and they delivered the child in the bathroom. And uh, my, my brother called me on the phone, and he was all tore up. And I got there, and when I got there, he said, would you like to see the baby? And they took the little baby and washed it down, my wife did, and they put it in a glass jar. And there was that little baby boy. You could tell it was a boy and five little fingers on each hand and the little feet and little places for eyes and little nubs for ears. Medical science would have you to believe that's a fetus. They'd say that's a piece of tissue. That was a little bitty boy in that glass jar. I held that jar, Brother J.B., and I looked at that little boy in there. My brother began to cry, and he fell on my shoulders, and my brother's pastoring the church, and, and my, I mean, this is part of the making of a Christian. He looked at me, and he said, there's some things in my past, brother, he said, you don't know nothing about. And he started to commence to tell me. He felt like God was judging him. I said, Jimbo, there's things in my past that you don't know anything about either. I said, let's just put this is all under the blood now, son. I said, God knows what he's doing. And I, my brother and sister-in-law took the baby the next day to the doctor, and the doctor checked her, and the doctor said, you want me to dispose of it? Well, I mean, that's cruel, isn't it? He said, hey, they're he's talking about throwing an incinerator, and he, they said, can we have the, is it all right if we lawfully take the little baby back home? Doctor said, you can do what you want to with it. They took it back home. They made a little casket out of a little old box. They took that little baby and put it in a baby sock and put a few little toys, rattlers and things in there with it. And one of the men of the church made a little old cross, and on the back of it, it said Micah. That's what they were going to name it. And you know what they did with it? They planted it in the flower garden. <laughs> they planted it out there in the flower garden in hopes of the resurrection. And my brother, you see, what happened? That was a bitter, bitter experience. And they'll, have, they'll come in your lives. People, sometimes people are so cruel and they'll say, hey, get over it. My Lord, it's just a little. Man, the things in heaven, just get over it. Well, have you ever lost a baby? Have you ever gave up something like that? It's a, it hurts. And sometimes it's the place Mara is with no current interpretation. You don't understand. You just don't understand. And that's where Israel is right here. But listen, the discipline of the wilderness is needful. Not to furnish us with a title deed to Canaan, but to make us acquainted with God and with ourselves. Now watch, here's the ministry of Mara. First, it's a ministry of no current interpretation. Number two, the ministry of Mara is the ministry of inter-revealing. Inter-revealing, this speaks of the mirrors of Mara. Now you say, what are you talking about? Well, in verse 1 through 21, they're making music. I mean, they're excited. They just come out of Egypt. But when you come to verse 24, they go from making music to murmuring. They murmured, the Bible said. And verse 24, the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Minds me of Baptists that are so fickle. I mean, one week they're praising the pastor and patting him on the back. And then the next week they murmur and complain. We're a lot like Israel in a lot of ways, church. 
and here they're making music and then they begin to murmur and what it is it's the mirrors when you look into Myra when you look into a bitter place uh, what God's going to show you is what is a reflection uh, that's in your own heart in your own heart and you, then you see those men looking into those waters and those women and they're so thirsty uh, but they spit the water out uh, and they look into those mirrors and, and watch this I mean God just performed a miracle God just parted the Red Sea God just brought them out of Egypt and instead of them calling on God and saying help us Lord uh, they find fault with the man of God they turn on Moses uh, and they begin to murmur against him it's the mere ministry of Mara, inter-revealing, inter-revealing. Hey, what are you going to do when the bottom falls out, sir? What are you going to do, ma'am, when the bottom falls out? I was thinking about that family, their boy, 38 years old, that fell over dead last year at my home church where I just left, and I've been there 20 years, Base Mountain Baptist Church, last year, young man in our church, 19 years old surrendered to preach the gospel, had been to revival meeting in North Carolina, was on his way back home, three miles or less from his house. He fell asleep, hit a telephone pole, took him out, ushered him into eternity. He died on the spot, 19 years old. And a family found themselves looking into the bitter waters of Mara. I'm going to tell you what it can do. It'll reveal things. I mean, if you're not, listen, if, and if you let it, what the devil wants to do when you hit a bitter spot, he wants you to get bitter at God. He wants you to say, well, God, I deserve better than this. And why'd you let this happen now? And, and, and Lord, I, I, I deserve better. I've lived for you. And, and he wants you to get bitter. That's what Israel did. Israel got bitter against the man of God. But look up, look up there. It's the cloud. It's the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. And it's standing right over Mara. God had led them there. God had led them there. So you see, it's the mirror ministry. Here we have a reflection of what we really, really are. As you see this, the witness of Moses was believed. They stepped out. They followed him. Their will was broken after only three days. I'm going to tell you, God's going to break all our wills. God's going to break us. He has to break us before he can use us. And then you see, the water was bitter. The water was so bitter. And I can see them here, man. I mean, they're so upset. They said, Moses, we believed you. And you brought us out here. And we've been through a desert and a wilderness. And look, the cattle. And look at our children. And now you've got us to water, but we can't drink it. Because it's bitter. Bitter. Number three, the ministry of Mara is the ministry of intercession. And this speaks of the molding of Mara. Verse 25. The Bible said, and he... That's Moses cried unto the Lord. Nobody else did. Nobody else thought about God. But Moses cried unto the Lord. And when you come to bitter experiences in your life, when you come to one of the Maras along the Christian journey, you better learn how to cry unto God and say, Lord, what is it? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to develop in my life? What is it you want me to see? And please don't get bitter at God. Don't get bitter at God. That's right. Some of the, there's widows in this church and there's widowers in this church. 
I remember when dad died. My mother was 45 years old. And my dad passed away at the, at the age of 45. Right after that, three months later, I got saved and started preaching. Brother Lindsay, I was sitting there at the table one day and my mama was washing dishes. She held up so strong during dad's death and the funeral. Brother Billy Kelly helped and Brother James Langston, an hour and a half funeral on the radio and everything, had church and shouted it down. And, and, and mother was washing dishes that day. And she looked over at me with tears running down her cheeks. And she said, son, why did God take daddy? Why did God take dad and leave drunkards and whoremongers and these rapists out here? Why? And I just got saved and started preaching. And I said, Mama, I don't have all the answers. But evidently, I said, Mama, God knew that you could make it without Daddy, but Daddy couldn't make it without you. And I said, Mama, God's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us now. Mama's 71 years old. I love Mama never looked at another man. Mama never did. I tried to, I've, I told her, I said, hey, Mama, I found a rich dude I'll fix you up with. I said, Mama, I found out somebody's rich can help us out. She said, I'll take that frying pan and make you a skull cap out of it. She said, I loved your daddy, boy. She said, I, I don't want nobody else. But I mean, down through, the, see, what could have happened? She could have got bitter. Listen, the church didn't take long. Listen to me. Daddy started that church, Brother J.B. I mean, with the help of God and 18 people, he started a little old church, and it grew and grew and grew, and they was running 220, 230 in Sunday school, 350 for preaching, and, and didn't know what a bus was. And I mean, it didn't take long for the people to forget Dad and to forget Mama and to forget the young'uns. And she could have got bitter. She could have got bitter. You have to learn how to pray, friend. You have to learn how to go to God. I remember what Brother Roloff said. I, I may lose my mind, and I'm losing it little at a time. But uh, I remember Brother Roloff saying, God's too good to do wrong. He's too wise to make any mistakes. When you can't see Him and you can't feel Him, trust Him and put it on automatic pilot. He knows the way. He knows the way. Maras are going to come. Maras are going to come. It's the ministry of molding. It's where God molds us. You know, I see Moses here. He didn't compromise, but he cried in the Lord. He didn't cow down, but he cried in the Lord. And he didn't call it quits, but he cried unto the Lord. And you know what I like right here in verse 25? And the Bible said, and the Lord showed him a tree. That tree had been there all along. But God showed it to Moses. Now, you know what the Bible said? And which when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And the Bible said there he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Now, God didn't show this to anybody else but to Moses. See, he is the only one that was interceding. He was the only one that was praying. And as he prayed, God said, Moses, there's a tree right yonder. I want you to cut it down and cast it into the waters. I see the elders of Israel back up, and they said, Moses didn't take his medicine this morning, and Moses has lost his mind. He's going to take an old ugly tree and cut it down, and the sap is running out of it, and he's going to 
throw it into the water. I said, you know what that tree represents, don't you? There's nothing that tree could represent but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord was cut down in the bitterness of death. He was cast in the rivers of death. But thank God he sweetened the waters for those of us who get saved by grace. And thank God, what all, the only thing that remains for us is the sweetness of the resurrection. Hey, the bitterness of death has passed for the believer. Amen. Yes, I see Moses cut that tree down and he chunks it over there in the water and they said he's lost his mind, he's going to let every one of us just die out here. I believe Moses was the first one to get down on his knees. I see Brother Moses take his hands and cup up that water. And they said, watch him, he's going to spit it out. Watch him, he'll find out. He's going to find out it's bitter. And Moses went. <laughs> he said, children, it's sweet. Sweet. Huh? I see one of them venture over there. He said, I, I, I don't know. I, he gets a little bit in his hand. He, he backs up and he, he goes, he just touches it. He said, Lord, Lord, he said, sticks his head up. And God took a bitter experience and made a sweet experience out of it. I'm telling you, he can do that, friend. If you learn to intercede and pray, God can take a bitter place and turn it into sweetness. I don't believe that water has ever been done like that. That's the only time it ever has happened, and it'll never happen again, probably to the millennial. But it was not only drinkable, which would have been all they wanted. It was sweet. Sweet water. Huh? I drank mountain water. I drank spring water. But sweet water? <laughs> I drank iced tea and put, put sugar in it and made it sweet. But sweet water? Hey, here you see the mo God can take a bitter experience. And if you'll draw nigh to him, and if you'll pray and call on God, he can make that bitter experience not only drinkable, but he can make it enjoyable. Amen. Now, here's the ministry of instruction. That's the mission of Mara. He cried in the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree, he cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet. They proved them, made an ordinance. There he made for them an ordinance, and they proved them means he tested them. And here's God, what God said. Watch this in verse 26. You say, preacher, this is Old Testament. I know, but it was written for our admonition and our learning. And, and said, God said, if, that's a prerequisite, if, if that will hearken to the voice of thy God, and will do that which is right in his eyes, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statues. God said, I'll put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's the name of our God, Jehovah Rophi, the God that healeth thee. But watch it. He said, if, if, that's the prerequisite, all, now watch this. In every dispensation, I do believe this, the blessings of our God are dependent upon our obedience unto His Word. Even in the dispensation of grace. I believe His blessings are contingent to us being obedient to His Word. As I do. 
And he said, I'll put none of these diseases upon you. Now, you know, there's a lot of people today that are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That means they're turning it into unbridled lust. And they say, well, I'm saved by grace. And so it makes no difference how I live, how I dress, what I watch, where I go. I'm saved by grace. I'm kept by grace. So it makes no difference how I live. Wait a minute. That Bible said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It does make a difference. It does. Sure it does. And here you see there's not only, but lastly, it's the ministry, Mara, the bitter places in your life. Or it's the ministry of intervention. And this is the miracle of Mara. I mean, can you see them when that first one got over there behind Moses and got him a drink? And he said, hey, he said, come on, children. It's all right. This is something I've never, this is sweet water. I see all of them just about jumping in, the cattle, the sheep, the oxen, and every Israelite's got their head buried, and they're drinking all they can hold. And man, they just lay back on the bank. And every now and then they'll run back up, stick their head back in, get them another drink. They're drinking from what while ago they was spitting out. They're drinking from what was bitter that's been made sweet God can do that but here's the ministry of intervention is now let's give them the benefit of the doubt they've only been saved three days they've never been this way before and they, they'd never they'd never encountered a wilderness and they never encountered a Mara but God wanted them to see that he can handle the Maras not only can he handle the Egyptians, not only can he bring you out of Egyptian bondage and out of sin, but he can handle the situations of life. That's what he's teaching them. He wants us to see that. You see, the Lord can make the bitter waters of Mara sweet. Verse 25, he's the Lord that hears. He hears the calls and he hears the complaints. And many of us are, many of us are complaining to God about where we are how we are, what we are. Are you hearing me? Many of us do that. Complain to God about this and that and the other. And I like what Brother Tackett said. We could all be in hell if it wasn't for the grace of God. And if it wasn't, we'd be, some of us would have done been in hell. And I mean, we'd have been there with our back broken, our tongue cut out to, to suffer throughout eternity. But hey, I'm just, I was preaching the other night and this profound statement hit me. I said, I'm glad I'm well enough to be sick. And Brother Lance said, that's a good one. I said, write it down. I, did, I forget it. And I said, I'm I wrote it down. I'm glad I'm well enough just to be sick. I could be dead. But I'm glad I'm well enough to have a chemical imbalance. I'm glad I'm well enough to be sick. So I said, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be anywhere. And you see, he's the Lord that hears. And it may not be an enjoyable place. And it may not be a desired place. But you mark it down. Every Mara in our life is a needful place. Because it's there God's molding. He's the Lord that hears. Verse 25. Verse 26. He's the Lord that heals. He healed them of despondency and discouragement. And I'm sure there was division and there was doubt. And, and probably there's a group of them getting ready to say, let's go back to Egypt. And why in the name of heaven did you bring us out of here? And, and hey, it wasn't Moses. There's that cloud, friend. God brought them out there. God brought them. That's right. And listen, churches, churches sometimes go through winters. 
Churches sometimes go through desert times and barren times. God allows that individually and collectively. But hey, as long as we know God's with us, if God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> now watch this and we're through. Verse 27, not only is he the Lord that hears and the Lord that heals, but he is the Lord that honors. Now watch in verse 27. The Bible said, and they came. They came to Elam. Now, boy, I bet you Moses had a hard time getting them to move from there. I mean, they're at Mara, and buddy, they were ready to move on. They was about to cuss him and vote him out and, and turn back. And, and they, got, they murmured and they complained and, and they said, you brought us out here to bitter. But now God's made it sweet. And they said, Moses, man, I don't believe they wanted to leave. I mean, I believe Moses had a pretty hard time. Hey, don't, I guess he wouldn't you. Well, if you'd have been out there three days and never had nothing to drink and hit a bitter experience and God made it so sweet. I mean, Moses said, hey, hey, children, it's not me. The clouds are moving. God's moving. There goes the cloud. I'm going with God. Y'all stay here if you want to. But I'm going with God. It'll pay you to go with God, too. And I believe reluctantly. I probably see some of the elders, you know, some of the committees saying, Oh God, where's he going to take us now? I mean, we, what, he led us out in the wilderness and we liked to, like to thirst to death. My Lord, let's don't leave Elam. Excuse me, let's don't leave Mar. Let's abide here. Let's stay here. But God's not. Hey, God brings you to Mara's and God makes them sweet. Not so you can stay there, but so you can trust him to go on. And they don't know what God's getting ready to do, see. Moses doesn't even know. And no Israelite knows. And they're following the cloud by blind faith. I don't know how many days they went. You don't either, don't say. I don't know how many days. I don't know how many hours. I don't know where they went two or three weeks. But I bet you they, I bet every one of them gathered up all the water they could carry. I bet they had buckets full. I bet they had, listen, sacks full, whatever they could get it in, and belly fulls. And if they could get it in their pockets, they'd have had pocketfuls. I mean, they got all they could take with them. But I kind of believe their supply ran low again. And the Bible said, and they came to Elam. <laughs> Verse 27. Where were 12 wells of water? And seventy, three score and ten, seventy palm trees. And they encamped. Watch that word. They encamped there. God said, you've been faithful to follow me through Mara. I know you complained, and I knew you would, but I'm glad my man Moses interceded, and I showed you a picture of the cross, and I put it in the water and made it sweet, and now by faith you followed me. And boy, I can see them maybe a day or two or three or maybe a week, Brother Lindsay, and finally one of them scouts looks over the horizon and rubs his eyes and said, My Lord and my God, it looks like a city out here in the desert in this wilderness. He said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve wells. And Lord God, he gets to adding them up, seventy palm trees. And he reports back in, and he said, Brother Moses, General Moses, he said, you ain't going to believe this. But over that there hill, he said, I counted seventy palm trees and twelve wells. I believe they got to running. It looked like a city in the wilderness. And the cloud was 
was right over top of it. Hell, if you stop at Mara, if you fall out with God at Mara at a bitter place, you're going to miss the Elam, friend. And the word Elam means the mighty one or the strong one. Hey, God's got something better than than Mara. God's got something better than sweet water. He's got, hey, shade. And he's got palm trees and 12 wells. That's one for every tribe and 70 palm trees. That's one for every elder. Hey, don't fall out by Mara, but go over God. There's an Elam coming. There's an Elam. There's an Elam. There's an Elam. What do you reckon they got to do? I believe they got to shout. I believe they got to praising God. And one of them said, Lord, I'm glad we didn't stay by Mara. That was a good place. We did drink sweet water. But look here, 12 wells. 12 wells. Huh? Bucket after bucket after bucket. Bucket after bucket after bucket. And 70 palm trees. Lord, they laid down under the shade. I believe one of them said, what's a cloud? What's a cloud? Is it going to move? Is God going to move? The Bible said they encamped there. You know what that means? They got to stay a while. <laughs> I mean, God said, I've I brought them far enough right now. They've taken about all they can take right now. Now I'm going to let them encamp here. I'm going to let them stay right here a while. You know what I see to me almost, I guess, that looked like a picture of heaven out there in that wilderness. Boy, they'd just been through some bitter places. And God made them sweet. But they went a little further with God. And honey, they run into 12 wells and 70 palm trees. And they encamped there. You know what I, I see? Hey, you know where we're going to encamp one day? Now, we're in, my, we're in the wilderness. And we're making the journey from here to there. There's Mara's. There's Mara's. If you're not careful, you'll quit. You'll throw in the towel at Amara. But if you'll, if you'll intercede and pray, God can take the merit and the power of the cross and turn a bitter experience into something sweet and give you strength to go on. And guess what's coming? Elam. Elam. Seventy palm trees and twelve wells. I've got names I'm thinking for every one of them. You want me to try that tonight? Huh? What if I preached on seventy palm trees and twelve wells? The preacher friend of mine I was listening to on tape the other day, he said he was a little boy in church and said this evangelist was there preaching, and he said, I've got 12 points to my message. He preached 45 minutes on the first point. That boy sitting back there, and his mom was in the choir, and he knew if he moved and talked to his little brother, his mom would whip him. When they got home, he leaned over, his little brother leaned over the big brother and said, do you know how long we're going to be here? The way I've got this figured out, we're going to be here to Thursday, he said. <laughs> He said, you better shut your mouth or we're not going to live to see Thursday. <laughs> but a little past Mara, a little past Mara, church, a little past Mara, there's an Elam. There's an Elam. I was in a little meeting the other night. This little old lady, I went downstairs, changed clothes. I heard her upstairs testifying. She was squalling, crying. She said, I've just been to one of the, the biggest Maras of my life. She said, it's been so bitter. She said, she said surely to God, I'm going to go with him because she said, there's got to be an Elam right down the road. Huh? He's the God that honors them that will follow on. They came to Elam. There was comfort in Elam. They encamped there. They encamped. 
They were afraid that cloud was going to move the next morning. Somebody said, still here? We're going to get you there all day. Next day said, still here? We're going to get you there all day. But I watched this. So Dr. F.B. Meyer said this. He said, but remember, children, he said, the Elams follow the Morris. Because Christ, soldiers and followers must be taught that life is stern and that life is real. We, we must learn that. Life is not a fairy tale. Christian life is not a fairy tale. Thing. It's real. It's stern. There's heartaches. There's disappointment. But oh, thank God. Oh, Dr. F.B. Myers said, wait a minute. He said, he said, and the intervals of rest are not the goal, but that they're the arbor on hill difficulty, where we stay for a brief interval until God binds us up and strengthens us and lets us go on for the journey. The ministry of Mara. Hey, don't fall out at Mara. Plead the merits of the cross. And you might have to say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord, and I may never understand, but I'm going to go on with you. And guess what he'll do? He'll let you run into an Elam. He'll let you run into an Elam.